0: You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others." So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you until heaven and earth pass away not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments... And teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. You heard the story of the fellow who staggered onto the subway one day. Stumbled over, sat down on a seat, and it turns out he was right next to a priest. The priest noticed him because of the way he kind of rumbled into the subway car and kind of just fell into the seat. He noticed he had food stains all over the front of his shirt. He reeked of alcohol. He had lipstick on his cheek and on his neck and on his shirt. The priest thought, what has this fellow been up to? But he didn't say anything at that point. The man picked up a newspaper that was sitting there on the seat and began to read. And then after reading for a little while, he sort of slouched over toward the priest and said, Father, what causes arthritis? The priest, kind of sensing an opening, said, oh, my son, it's gluttony. It's overindulging in food and drink. It's, it's chasing after wild women. I tell you, it's unrighteous living. It's breaking the laws of God. And the fellow smelling of alcohol said, well, I'll be darned. <laughs> Went back to reading his paper. The priest thought about that for a few moments, Began to feel a little bit like perhaps he was too condemning and a little too harsh right off the bat. So he leaned over to the fellow and said, Oh, my son, I am so sorry. How long have you been suffering from arthritis? And The man said, Me? I don't have arthritis. I was just reading here in the paper that our bishop does. Well, one in our congregation sent me that as an email for fun, but while I was laughing and after I read it this week, I began to think that perhaps it really is a good illustration for those of us in the church, and it really does illustrate the divide that grows up sometimes between the religious establishment and those who are outside. It illustrates the divide which occurs between the religious establishment and those outside the fold, so to speak. It seems that we are often a little too eager, a little too quick to make judgments to condemn those who we have decided are violating the commandments. That are not living the way that we think they should be living. And Jesus makes some very strong statements in this passage we read today about following the law. And yet he violates the scribal law and the way those laws were being practiced in his day over and over throughout Matthew's gospel. As you read through the story time and again, he's in controversy with the scribes and the Pharisees because he has violated the law And yet, if we look here in verse 17 and 18, he makes some really strong statements. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. What can he mean to say that It's so sacred and yet we know he violated it as he went through his life. He's clearly violated the intent of the law at several points in the story that we have in the Gospels. We need to understand, I think, a broader context and understand... The background, perhaps, to grasp what Jesus is getting at and what he might be saying to us today. Understanding the background of the law as used by Judaism is important here. They used the law in several ways. They used it to refer to the Ten Commandments, they also used it to refer to the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. They sometimes used the phrase the law and the prophets to refer to the entire Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. A fourth way they used it, though, was to refer to the scribal or oral law. That was the interpretation of what the law said. This is how you live it out. Let me give you an example of how that works. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were reminded by John Wesley about the law about the Sabbath. Remember that you have six days to work, but on the seventh day God rested, and so you should rest. On the seventh day you should do no work. Well, there's always literalists around who want to know, what do you mean by work? How do you define that? How far can I go? And so the scribes spent time delineating what you could and couldn't do. What would or would not violate that commandment. There grew up volumes and volumes of interpretations around the scribal law interpreting what the commandments meant. The scribes were the ones charged with defining all these rules and the Pharisees were the ones committed, who committed themselves to living by the strictest interpretation of the law. What seems to be the case... The time Jesus arrives on the scene is that there were so many laws. We still have these thousands of them that trying to live by those began to consume and overwhelm the intent or the heart of the law. So Jesus seems to be pointing back to what he believes is the heart of the law. If you've read through the Gospel of Matthew, you know over in chapter 22... One of these scribes, a lawyer, asked Jesus, What is the greatest commandment? You'll remember his answer, I think. He said back to the lawyer, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love of God and love of neighbor is at the heart of what Jesus is teaching us the law was all about. He's pointing us to what God is all about in terms of our lives and what God is doing in the world. Each time Jesus violates one of the scribal laws, it is always to serve and love God other people so with that background verse 17 I think has a little different tone do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets I have come not to abolish but to fulfill he's pointing anyone who will listen back to the heart of the law this idea of covenant that we talked about last week This idea of God loving us and us loving God and loving one another because of that. It has to do with those relationships. Verse 20 I think makes more sense as well where he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now if he's talking about righteousness in terms of those thousands of details, that's probably not going to work. But if he's talking about loving God and loving neighbor Then that righteousness that right standing takes on a whole different kind of meaning I Think with that background we realize he does not mean righteousness in terms of following the scribal laws more strictly but by loving more fully I think he's saying that life in the kingdom is a life of love that abundant life and eternal life spring forth from when we love God and love one another. That our call and our task is to express that more fully as we go through our daily lives. That it's more than just showing up for church on Sunday or reading your Bible every day, but does that make any difference in terms of how you treat other people? I think he's pointing to this kind of understanding of the law and the intent of it. Centered around love of God and love of neighbor. As followers of Jesus, we are called to bring the flavor and the light to our living in this world so that others may come to know the Father. I ran across, I think, a really good example of this recently. It's a program or a ministry or a work that started in Venezuela. There was an economist there who had classical musical training. But with his work as an economist, he became frustrated that his country was not doing better at lifting children out of poverty. That they were not doing better at breaking the poverty cycle. He decided that if he would use his classical musical training... And bring in kids from the poorest neighborhoods that not only could he teach them how to play instruments, but he could show them the kind of order and discipline and hope of what the great literature in classical music is, and that they would be lifted by that. He went house to house. He went throughout several neighborhoods and said, I'm going to organize this orchestra. I want you to come. He was expecting and hoping for scores of children to come to that first rehearsal. Only 11 showed up. But he said to them that day, you're going to become a great orchestra. You're going to play the greatest music of all time. And in fact, you're going to be touring around the world and playing to immense crowds. He had 11 children there who had never played an instrument. But he had a vision. I want to read you a few sentences out of a book written by one of his colleagues about how he understood what he was doing. The orchestra is an instrument to build the foundation of a child's holistic development. There may be other artistic programs, but this is a social development program through music. The practice of collective Harmonious and concerted music making Shall become an instrument for developing The multi-dimensional capacities of the human being Thus elevating his or her spirit And leading him or her to confidence and generosity He says this is art at the service of the most vulnerable Only art and religion can give proper answers to the greatest needs of our time. And then he quotes Mother Teresa in terms of how he understands what he's doing. Prayer and action is faith. Faith and action is love, and love and action is service. I think he understands what Jesus is talking about. Well, he started that work in 1975, so now almost Forty years later, from those first eleven, there are literally hundreds of thousands of children and young people involved in orchestras across Venezuela. It's known as El Sistema. That's the system in Spanish. It's now spread beyond Venezuela, across South America into North America. Our Oklahoma United Methodist Foundation, one of our churches in Oklahoma City, has undertaken to do this work in Oklahoma City.